Welcome to Big Bear Christian Center Sermon Audio. Join Pastor Rob Hastings in his message, A Powerful Testimony, out of John chapter 12. Well, we are jumping back into John chapter 12 today. Uh, last week, Pastor Jeff brought the message on the, the Amos bomb, and he tried to listen to it on vacation, and uh, didn't get an opportunity to do that because of the, the issues in the sound system. We do need some prayer and probably some money thrown at the sound system very, very soon to get those things worked out. Uh, we're going to have a couple weeks in the book of John. Pastor Jeff will come back and bring the second part of his message from a few weeks ago. Um, and then, you know, we're going to be coming up onto the C word pretty soon. Is it too early to say it for some of you? Yes. Yes. Doesn't it feel a little early? They, the, the, yeah. <laughs> the winter. So, winter. Winter. So anyway, so we'll be you know doing that, and then we'll we'll probably end up finishing the book of John probably at the beginning of the year because it's just you know it's just the way it goes. But it's been a good. We're in in John chapter twelve. Father, we ask a blessing upon your word, and God that you would challenge us, that you encourage us. Father, we desire to be shaped into your likeness as we study the Bible. Lord, it's not just to learn more, God, but it's to be changed. Even as the as the word itself says, let it be like a mirror. And hold itself up to us and challenge us. Father, empower the word, anoint the word to change our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Are we recording? I hope. We want to double check that, Matthew, just make sure. So during Sunday school, the teacher asked her class of first graders, which is always a dangerous thing to do, ask first graders anything, if anyone could describe a Christian. So a little boy quickly raised his hand and he said, well, Christians, they're nice people who never complain or argue or talk back. And then he said, my daddy's a good Christian, but my mommy isn't. <laughs> you know, in the, book of, in the book of John chapter 12, we're, we're talking about a story that we've, we've heard. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard the story, the account, not the story, it's an account of, of the anointing of Jesus as Mary comes in. I'm going to read, we're going to read 11 verses this morning real quick, and then we're going to talk about some of the players here. Starting in verse 1, I'm reading out of New King James. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, was, who, who had... Who, sorry, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointing the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put into it. Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now listen to verse 9 here. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. 
You know, in this chapter, in, in John chapter 12, we have a number of people. And, and traditionally or typically, you hear this message, and we're going to go right for Mary, anointing the feet of Jesus, because it's such a beautiful story. And it, and it is. We're not going to hit that today, because there's, it's, you can just find a better, better message online. But that's, that's not to be overlooked. Mary comes, and she brings her worship. But we also see Martha. Martha's here. We have Lazarus. We have Judas. And, of course, we have Jesus. This morning, what we're talking about is a testimony. Now, each of these people have a testimony. They're all known for something. In fact, we'll do it quick, but we're going we're gonna to open this up for a little bit of, of participation from you. You can just, you know, holler out one, one or something. What was Mary known for? Working. Someone else? What was Mary known for? Anointing Jesus' feet. Worshiping. Anything else? What would you say? What do you think? How do you see her? Listening to the Lord. Listening to the Lord. You know, we, we know just a little bit about Mary. And we, we, what's that? Forgiven. 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 You know, she, I, I, put, I put down, she, she loved. I mean, she a real, real love. So we see it. We know a little bit about Mary. We've read the Bible. For those of you who read this and know the story, what about Martha? We know, we've heard a little bit about Martha. Just throw out a couple words that maybe would describe Martha. Service. What? Work. Workaholic. Service. What else? Busy. And what else? Complain. She complained. She's got a testimony too. You know what? There's a part of her testimony that we haven't said. She knew Jesus. She knew Jesus, and we read this when, when Lazarus died. She told Jesus, if you had been here, he would not have died. You know why? She trusted him. She trusted Jesus. Yeah, she was a worker, but she had a testimony. It's not all bad, but her testimony was she was a worker, and she served. She knew Jesus. How about Lazarus? What do you know about Lazarus? He was dead. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's, that's probably the biggest one. Anyone else? Can anything? Lazarus. He was a true follower. He was a friend. You know, Jesus said, that, John says that they were his friends. So Lazarus was a friend. He was dead. That was his testimony. How about Judas? Traitor. Deceiver. A thief. Embezzler. You know what none of us have said in there? Because we have a heart. What's that? Conflicted. He was. He was. You know what we don't usually say much? He was a disciple of Jesus. Interesting. So we have these players. We have these people in the book of John, and they all have a testimony. We, they're known for some of the things. Now, Lazarus is the one I want to focus on today. Lazarus, his big thing is he was dead. Now he's alive. I mean, that is a good testimony. And he didn't have to do much to gain this testimony, but he did have to do a few things. We're going to talk about Lazarus this morning because there is power in a testimony. There is great power in a personal testimony, and each and every one of you have a testimony. It could be for the good, and it could be for the bad. Most likely, it contains a lot of both. But we have a testimony. We're walking testimonies. The the thing is that sometimes people know you for only one part of your testimony. It takes a while to change that. So this morning, we want to talk about the power of a testimony and a good name. I'm going to read a few scriptures. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. 
says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tab of your heart that you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. As you do that, you will have a good name, a good reputation, a good testimony. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. Some of you go, I go, Ah, I don't know about that, but it's true. A good name is far more valuable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And Ecclesiastes 7.1 really sums up the truth of what Proverbs 22.1 is saying. You guys, man, it was a good name, more desirable than the great riches. Ecclesiastes 7 says this, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. You know why? Because you understand. You've grown in wisdom. The day of death is better than your birth. We, we're, we're born and we spend our whole life fighting for the wrong things, trying to gain testimonies that really aren't the right testimonies. And by the time you're getting older, you go, I understand so much more now. And as Christians, the day of death is far better than our birth because that's the day that we're finally fully released from this life and we get to go be with Jesus. So a testimony. What kind of testimony do you have? All of us have one. In fact, we've spent our whole lives building our testimony. The problem is most people don't think about that when they're building it. They're just building it. They're creating their testimony that everyone's going to know them by. This morning I want to talk about your, your testimony's impact because your testimony does impact other people. There was another Sunday school teacher who was endeavoring to press, impress upon the class of boys the importance of living a Christian life. And so he said, why do people, class, why do people call me a Christian? And it was probably the same boy from the other class yelled out, maybe it's because they don't know you. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of sad. But if you ever, don't start looking around now, but have you ever met someone like that? You go, you know, yeah, they, I wonder why they call them a Christian. Maybe they don't know him very well. Why? Because there's a testimony. Your testimony really does speak loudly. It testifies of who you are and what your life is about and what you believe. And your testimony follows you wherever you go. Your testimony follows you. You can't really escape that fact. Some people physically move to other locations because their testimony follows them. And unless there's been a change, the testimony will find, it, find them where they go. It's amazing how many people I've met over the years in Big Bear who've come up here and they said, we moved to get away from drugs. Well, you know, there, there really are drugs everywhere. I mean, there really are drugs everywhere. We think, oh, there's so many drugs up here. There's drugs everywhere. And there is a close-knit community that, well, maybe they'll get away. You know, it doesn't matter where you go. If you're doing drugs, drugs are going to find you. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I was, I was talking to Pastor Bill Weaver just recently, and he, he says, you know, he's lived up here for 20 years. or You know, he says he's never had anyone walk up to him and say, hey, do you want some drugs? But there was this one guy who was struggling. To, he was getting off of drugs, and he was clean. And they were, he had come up to Big Bear just to get away for a little visit. And he and Bill were walking out together. And out of nowhere, somebody walks up to this guy, been only in Big Bear a couple days, and offered him some drugs. You know, it's like it's, there's a spiritual side on this too. But your testimony follows you 
And the enemy helps to make that testimony even bigger. Okay, so if your testimony follows you, what are we going to do? You know, I was thinking, for me, you know, this is a small town. There's people in this room, possibly this morning, looking around. There's a few who know me and have known me for so long that there's still even a testimony about me. Um, simple things. Like there are some people, I don't know if you've heard this, in the room, they call me Robbie. They call me Robbie. And it's not just my family. They call me Robbie. I stopped going by Robbie in my junior year of high school. I'm 43. That was like 27 years ago. They call me Robbie. There's people in the room who, who attend the church here who remember the time that I dressed up like a girl for Halloween and went to school and found out that we weren't supposed to put on our costume until after lunch. So I was the only one in school dressed up, and I happened to look like a very voluptuous woman. I was in fourth grade. People still come up to me. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Somebody gets, remember when you dressed up like a girl and you played football? That was so funny. It's part of my testimony. Well, what, what do you mean? Well, it's, it's how people look at you. It's how people know you. It's the things that you've done that I've done that are going to follow us. And those are maybe silly things. But what about the time that some, some in this room know, have known me long enough? When I was up at Greenspot up here, we broke into the military camp up there. It was, not a, it was just a campground. It was kind of abandoned at the time. Danny knows which one I'm talking about. We used to go up there and party before I was saved. But, you know, sometimes you keep partying after you get saved too. And so I was up there one night, and we just went up there to camp, and then somebody brought some booze. And so we started drinking. And there was a guy there and went to school with, and this is I'm probably about 17 or 18. and So we're drinking, and, and I'm just giving in and getting drunk, and he was more drunk than me, so he started sharing himself, and he was crying and over these things. So I started sharing Jesus with him while I was drunk. You know what? That testimony, I still have that for some people. Yeah, I remember Robbie. He's talked about Jesus even when he was drunk. Your testimony follows you, and it follows me. Good and bad, but you don't have to be trapped you don't have to be locked in. You can break out and get a new testimony. You can. Because although your testimony follows you, your testimony can change. Your testimony can change. And this isn't just saying words that, that you, you know, say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian now, or I'm not going to do this, and I'm going to be better. Real change, honest-to-goodness change, the kinds your friends notice kind of change your friends notice. I'll take it a step further. The kind of change your family notices. Because, you know, there's, you know, there's levels, right? You know, you can have the change that you're pretty good around outward, you know, people. But then the friends who know you, they're going to see a little bit more. Then there's the family. And, and God can do a work in your life and change you so that even your family sees it. And that's real change. How does, how does it happen? Well, in order for that change to to take place, it's going to take some consistency in your life and in my life. 
because it's not just a one-time thing saying, come into the altar or whatever it is. If you, whether it's even a testimony of this or something in the natural of losing weight, it's not just saying you're going to go on a diet. It's not just coming to the altar. It takes consistency. And, and you may mess up. And I was going to say, you will, you will mess up, but you, know, you don't necessarily have to mess up so bad that you mess up your testimony. When you, when you make that change and God does a change in your heart, you don't ever have to go back. Failure's not written. That you're going to have to consistently walk it out. You know, in worship today, there was that message, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That means the power of God is living in each and every one of you. That can change your life and change your testimony consistently. He can deliver the angry person, the alcoholic, the drug addict. You know, we, we need to have Gary come and share his testimony. He shared it here before. But his testimony, when he came back to the Lord, it was in this church on Easter some 15 years ago about. He came, he was on heroin and speed, and he could not go anywhere without a bottle of vodka in his breast pocket. And he came into the altar, and he knew what he was doing because he had been saved, and he had walked away. He, he had walked with the Lord, and he'd walked away. I'm not saying he lost his salvation. And he came to this altar because he knew it was over. And I believe he was under the influence that day. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And he, he was immediately delivered from his alcohol and his speed. Did no more drugs. He even made a deal with God. It's not a good, good thing to do. He made a deal with God. He's like, you know, I, I should quit smoking too, but I don't know if I can do that. But if I'm still walking with you in six months, I'll quit smoking. In six months, he was already on the worship team. The worship leader put him on the worship team. And he's like, you know, I, I really shouldn't be smoking anymore. So he started quitting, and he did the patch for a couple days. He goes, ah, oh, forget it. I'm just done. Threw away everything, his patches, his cigarettes, everything. And he looked at the calendar. Six months to the day from Easter. See, God can do miraculous deliver. He doesn't always. But he can, and he does miraculous deliverance. He take, can take an angry person and heal their heart. But then you have to walk in and have consistency. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you have the power of God. 2 Peter 1.3 says you have everything you need for life and godliness. God's not going to come and say, give your life to me, turn away from sin, but I'm not going to give you any power. He gives you the power to overcome your sin. He gives you the power to walk in the fullness of God. It takes consistency. You got to keep walking it out. You got to keep coming to Him, honey. I'm sorry that you had to wake up at 5 a.m. to take out the trash. I promise, I'll take out the trash every Sunday night. You don't have to worry about it. We've all heard things like that, right? Maybe you've said things like that, and you're going, "Yeah, right." What are you going to do? You're going to keep setting your alarm to take out the trash until what? Until you've seen it consistently. Because somebody telling you that they've changed doesn't mean anything but you watch them for consistent change it takes more than willpower it takes holy ghost power to change so it takes consistency but in addition to consistency it's going to take some time and a lot of time for some people to really believe that you've changed there are going to be people in your life, as God does the work in your life, as you surrender and you finally give it up to him and you say, I want my testimony. I want a good name. I don't want to be known as the, the one who's in church on Sunday and at the bar on Saturday. It's going to take some time for people to believe it. 
And you're going to have to live with that. You are going to have to live with people saying, I don't know if you've really changed. I just can't believe it. You're going to have to press through and say, no, God's made a change in me. And just keep doing it. You know, time is on there. I sing that song. Time. It's on their side. Some of them will never, some people will never, ever, ever let you change your testimony. And you just have to change it. You just have to know that they're not going to let you do it. They'll never look at you different. For those of you who are younger, I'm speaking to the really the, the teenagers in this room. When you develop your testimony, it takes years and years and years to overcome it. One choice can alter your life forever. One choice can alter your life forever. A good name is worth far more than riches. Keep that testimony. Keep that name. Some of you in this room were working on your testimony of being, well, not the best sort of a bloke or a lassie. You worked a long time on your testimony of debauchery or drinking or womanizing or anger. You know, as we walk away, it's going to take some time for people to realize that you've changed. But keep pressing in. Keep coming to the altar. Why do we do worship? Why do we have life groups? Why do we do the same thing every week? Because we need to keep reading our Bible. We need to keep worshiping God. We need to keep pressing in and go from glory to glory. She says, I don't know if we knew. I don't know if we need to keep going to church and hearing the Bible and reading the Bible all the time. You know, I've already read that once. Well, you ate meatloaf once too. Did you stop eating it? I mean, come on. We got to keep Pressing in, it's going to take consisting. It's going to take time. Don't give up. Don't give up. As you come to the Lord, I'm thinking of Lazarus. You know, Lazarus was such an interesting testimony. All he had to do was die. And Jesus did the rest. Not quite. I, mean, I, I don't know of anyone who, who would pick this, the other option that Lazarus didn't pick. Jesus comes to the tomb, chapter 11, right? And he goes in there and he drags Lazarus out. What did he do? Lazarus, come forth. You know, Lazarus knew, knew God. He was probably okay. Abraham's bosom. He's going. Lazarus, come forth. And he had to come forth. See, Jesus didn't do everything. Lazarus responded. Jesus raised him from the dead after he responded. Yes, I'm coming forth. I'm not going to stay in the tomb. That's what the call is for you today. Don't stay in the tomb of your addiction or your depression or your anger or your sin or whatever it is. Jesus is calling to come forth. And when you answer that call and you really come and you... Give it to Jesus and say, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord. It's going to affect your relationships too. And not all for the better. Some of the relationships, it's going to, it's going to be wonderful because you're going to finally have a restored relationship maybe with a, a mother, a brother, a husband, a wife, a, a kid. When, you, when you've 
come and you're getting rid of your anger, whatever it is that, that God is wanting to deliver you from or coming to salvation for the very first time, some of your relationships are going to get just so much better, but some of your relationships are going to get worse. You know that Lazarus was just a guy living in the Jewish community. He was a nobody, but everyone knew him in Bethany. And all of a sudden, one day, we just read in chapter 12, around verse 10, they're plotting to kill him. Why? Because he responded to the call of God and his testimony changed and he's alive now and some people don't want you to be alive. They like it better when you're dead. They like it better when you're sinning. They like it better when you're wrapped up in your stuff. And you know why? Part of the reason and sometimes the reason is simply because they feel better about their stuff knowing that you got your stuff. And if you're walking on that fence line of trying to be a Christian and living in the world, those people really love you because you're a great excuse to not come to the Lord. They want you to live there. The enemy wants you to live there. Broken testimony. And if you come over and really get that testimony of life and power and of, of Holy Spirit living and of purity in your life and love for others, some people are going to going to make them uncomfortable and you will lose friends but i want to tell you something i, I heard i we had, we went to iclv over the last weekend and heard sean smith preach it was a great weekend it was a great way to start our vacation one of the things he said and i loved it, he says we in america especially are so concerned about being liked oh i'm going to post this i hope how many likes did i get how many how, how many how often you go back and you're checking your likes we're so consumed and concerned with being like that we're not concerned about being the light. We need to stop being concerned about being liked and be concerned about being the light. Because the real testimony is about being a light in the darkness. It's not about people liking you. And that's for some of you in this room, and I'm one of these personality types. Our whole goal in life is to let every, make everyone like us. We just want to be liked. We cannot handle it very well if we're not liked. When we find out that somebody doesn't like us, it vexes us. It used to. God has set me free. Anyone who's ever sat in a counseling appointment with me knows that now. I'm trying not to care if you like me. I just want to care if I tell you the truth and help you get set free. I need to be set free. People are not going to like you when you step over and begin to have a testimony. Why don't you drink anymore? You know, I just got a conviction about it. That wasn't, that wasn't what God wanted me to do. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to take consistency. Some people may never get on board for others, it's just going to take some time for them to really see. But you can change, and your testimony can change. Last part of this message is that you can have a testimony today. You don't have to live in the same testimony you've had. You can break out. You can stop the cycle. You can stop the madness. And you can say, I'm not going to keep doing what I used to do. 
I'm not going to keep doing what I'm doing now. I'm going to be set free by Jesus. And I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is the first spot. If you're sitting in this room and you, you, you know, we're even using a word that's not used much outside of the church of a testimony. It's, it's, it's not, it's primarily a Christian word. I think you say, well, what's your testimony? Well, I once did this and, and now I'm saved. But if you're in this room and you've never received Christ, he can set you free and give you new life, give you hope. And he can begin to change your testimony. Remember the day, and I've, I've, I, I know I've, I've shared this, but the, the day I walked into the men's meeting at the Sizzler. And there at a table were three brothers who'd all accepted Christ. One of them was a retired judge, Shan's stepdad. Another one was a retired sheriff. Right? sheriff he was a police officer down in, in uh, like not Compton, but somewhere in a pretty bad, pretty bad area. And the other guy sitting at the table was a felon, an ex-convict. And he had done some bad stuff. He spent a lot of years in jail. It wasn't jail, it was prison. And they were fellowshipping and eating breakfast and worshiping God. See, their testimonies had changed. God had done a work in them, and they had said no to the other things behind, and they were able to come together in a new testimony that God was real, that God had changed their lives. That's what he wants to do with us today. And us, for those of us in this room who are saved and we love God, how is your testimony? How do people know you? Has God been dealing with you about something? He might be saying, I want to give you a better name. See, we've allowed ourselves this Thing in American church, in American Christianity, that has slipped in. It didn't start with us. The Bible talked about it. You know, when I sin, it just shows God's grace. And so we sin and we do stuff, and then we come and we're forgiven, and we say, you know, God, He's so good. He forgave me, and He's great. And we and we begin to do this horrible cycle of sinning so that we can receive His grace and and just walk in that grace. Stop sinning. Stop the madness. We don't sin so that grace can abound. There is grace in case. There's grace in case. We don't put ourselves into that situation where we sin. God is calling us to have a testimony, a better testimony. And it's not on us. We can't do it without him. And next week, that's what we're going to spend the majority of the time talking about is the power of God living in us to be a light. But the first step is to say, I want to have a better name. I want to have a better testimony. People have known me as this. And that's not pleasing to God. And that's not what I want my testimony to be any longer. So what's your testimony? You ready for a change? This morning, Jesus is calling all of us. Come forth. When you come forth, I'll take off the grave clothes. And then where, what was the very next thing we see Lazarus doing? reclining at the table with Jesus. That's a place of honor. That's a special place. Jesus calls you today. He calls me. Come forth. I want to change your name. I want to change your testimony. I want to give you something different, something new, and I'll give you the power to do it, but you have to come forth. I'm going to 
open up the altar for prayer. You can do it in your seat. But there's something special about getting up and saying, I'm going to have a changed testimony and coming forward. You don't have to tell everyone what you're coming about. But I'm going to say this. Don't come to be seen by men. Come to be seen by God. But the man part is going to help you be accountable. Because you're not going to come forward today and go back to the world tomorrow. We're going to stay. We're going to press in. We're going to be consistent. We're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to be filled with power. If you want to come forward and the altar and pray. I'm going to close in this word of prayer and we'll just allow some time for people to come. Father, thank you that you've called each and every one of us out of the grave. You first called us for salvation. And looking around, I know that the majority of people in this room have responded to that, but I don't know if everyone has, God. You called us forth and said, I want to give you life. I want to change your name. I want to give you a testimony. And Father, I pray that you would stir the hearts of anyone who's never done that right now to come to you and say, God, I'm dead. I need a Savior. I need life. I've done it my own way and I ask that you would forgive me of doing it my own way. I want to do it your way and I don't even know exactly what that is but I'll learn what it is and I'll do it. If you'll strengthen me. I want to be alive. And for others of us, Father, we're not perfect. We struggle and we fall. But God, I believe that there are some things today that are not just occasional. These are strongholds. These are things that need to be stepped out of and life needs to happen. Lord, I pray that you would reveal whatever that is to everyone in this room. Whatever it is that you're calling from them. Say, I'm going to change your testimony in this area. In six months, we might work on something else, but today I'm working on this. help us to respond to your call and to come forth. God, I don't want to be known the same next year as I'm known today. I want to be known for being closer to you. The better light and the better example. Thank you for the power to make that possible. strengthen each and every one in this room as they spend their time coming forth out of the tomb with you. Meet with them, whether it's at this altar or in their seat. We thank you for the power over sin and death. We thank you for writing your name on us that we live in you. We thank you for a better testimony and better days empowered by you 
in Jesus' name.